Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vasser, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining us. We are now into week three of our Q&A podcast series. And my guest today is Jason Bourne, head coach from Saugus High School in Saugus, California. Before we get into the questions, I just want to take a quick second to say thank you for all of those who have submitted questions. Without you, this show is not happening. I've received some lovely feedback this week about the help that some of the answers that we've provided over the first two weeks. And I can honestly say that's the type of stuff that makes us all worthwhile. Um, you guys are fantastic. This whole off season and early part of the season has been so much fun because of the relationships built on the Twitterverse. And for those of you listening to this that are not on Twitter, I'm telling you, I know Twitter gets a bad rap. There's a lot of other cesspools of Twitter, no doubt. But the football coaching community is absolutely amazing. So thank you again for all the support as always. Thank you for the kind words. And I, I'm looking forward to keeping this rolling throughout the season. If you're not already following me, do so on Twitter at MDGA podcast or my personal account at Coach Vass. That's at C-O-A-C-H-V-A-S-S. Also, if you have a question for the show for myself or one of my guests, please go to www.coachvass.com forward slash podcast. And you will see a link at the top. That says click here for the Q&A podcast form where you could submit a question. I ask that you be as specific as possible when asking your questions and give me as much detail as possible so that my guests and I can give you the best possible answer with the most amount of detail. Lastly, if I sound a little off or weird this episode, I've had a cold this week, so uh, I might sound a little nasally, so apologies. Also, I think there's a little bit of an audio issue at the beginning of first or second question on my end. So I apologize about that. This podcast is still young. We will still hit bumps along the way. I'm a one man show right now in terms of editing and I'm as transparent as transparent can be. So if there's any audio issues, I promise we will get them worked out. This is just me, a microphone and another dude on the end of a telephone having fun talking ball. I know you guys don't usually really care about that stuff. Uh, I've, I've done some episodes with some real bad stuff going on, but I, uh, with my background in music and production and the sort of thing, it, it does bother me. So, and it is, it is being noted, but I appreciate your patience as the show grows. I appreciate the positive energy and without further ado, let's go. My guest today is Jason Bourne, head coach from Saugus High School in Saugus, California. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me, Coach Bass. Really appreciate it and excited to get after it. Yeah, man, we got some great questions today, so we'll we'll get right into it. Don't waste these coaches' time. I know it's uh it's game planning time, so I know you don't want to hear me babble, so we'll just get to the hits. Our first question comes from William Garrow, who coaches defensive line. Is it Turnwater? Turnwater, Washington. Uh, he's on staff with uh, Tim Otten, who also is a, is a fan of the GFOP, great friend of the pod, and also has submitted a question. His question is, 
if you're a DC on the sideline, what kinds of information do you want from the booth between plays, between series, et cetera? And then William's Twitter handle is at W Garrow. That's G-A-R-R-O-W. I'll let you take this one first. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've been the, the head coach here for you know 17 years and, and also uh, probably about 10 years ago, took over the DC responsibility because the guy that I had doing it, you know, I had to step away from coaching. And the first couple of years I was on the sideline. And then, uh, you know, even though I was the head coach I, for about three years, I went up in the box and, you know, I was coordinating the defense from up there. And obviously that creates some different challenges just from the perspective. Well, shoot, your head coach is up in the box. What's going on down on the field. And while it worked well for a few years, you know, it, it became apparent that I had to get back down on the field and, so with that being said, you know, I've done both roles uh, as the head coach as well as the coordinator. And the thing that I'm looking for from the guy that's in the box is personnel groupings is number one. You know, if, if, yep. it's, a, if it's a team that likes to you know, shift or move different guys in and out, and, you know, we've obviously done our homework and determined that, that's the thing that that's the number one thing I'm looking for if they are a team that has different personnel groupings because then I'll dictate formations and subsequently plays. If they're a team where a lot of high school teams are now, that the personnel groupings don't change. They'll go from 10 to 11 to 12 to 20 to 21 with the same kids. Then from that point, you know, I'm asking him to really just focus in on the point of attack as well as see the big picture in terms of pass plays. Uh, you know, with the replay system that uh, we have, you know, it's I don't want to say that the box guys become obsolete. He hasn't because he still offers valuable input and, and help for me. But the replay systems, uh, and it doesn't matter with whether you're using SkyCoach, which is what we use, or Huddle or whatever, uh, it, it has taken a lot of the, the brunt of responsibility or pressure that we used to rely on from the press box away. It's just it's, it's made it so much easier. But if I didn't have a replay system, then personnel groupings would be number one. Uh, after that, if it was um, uh, you know, a team that didn't have a lot of personnel groupings, I just want to see the point of attack as well as the far side of the field. I mean, that's, that's really helpful for the press box guy, too, is, hey, you know, I'm on my sideline. If you, you know, take a look at what's going on to the far side of the field just in case I can't see it. Yeah, it's funny. At the beginning of the year, I, I get my brain is working a 1,000 miles an hour between those plays, and I, 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 uh, I do apologize to my linebackers coach who does my personnel because I said, listen, Give me the down distance. Let me know if we're on a hash or not, because I don't want to call any field side blitzes or boundary blitzes in the middle of the field. And then number one is personnel. And then I gave him special instructions. And then this past game, he starts doing exactly what I told him to. I'm like, all right, cut the chatter, cut the chatter. Like, I, I can't. I can't take it. And I my brain gets just frazzled. And so what I started doing, instead of yelling at people when I've asked them to tell me things and they start to tell me them. Like a lunatic, as I just take off my headset, so that way I'm not pissing anyone off. And they're like, "Dude, you you asked me to do this for you. What's wrong with you?" But right. um, I used to ask a lot more questions, um, but now with the video system, I rely on that. It's just great, man. Because how many times would you come in on a Saturday or Sunday if you played on a Saturday? But like, damn, if I'd have known this during the game, we could have done X, Y, Z. And that's right. gone now, unless you're just not processing information fast, which I know happens to me some nights. I just I'm not thinking of that answer, but I'm I'm much better with that. And, and, and I really need end zone film. You know, as a secondary guy, I can 
I can see how the play ends and where everybody is and realize like, hey, okay, that guy should have been there. That guy should have been there. But the front, it's like for me on the field, it's like seeing the Tasmanian devil and I barely know what's going on. Um, Because my eyes, I'm looking at the front to make sure the front's lined up. I'm getting the backers. And if I'm lucky, I get back to the secondary and I'm directing traffic. I'm calling the coverage super late. So I'm not, my eyes aren't getting trained really well to get back to the ball. And so I miss half the plays on what the hell. I mean, I know they ran the ball, but couldn't tell you what it was. So I rely really um, on the, the run scheme, those guys upstairs for the run scheme and anything. And then my favorite question is what just happened? <laughs> so, yeah, um, exactly. but yeah, personnel, personnel is king. Personnel is absolute king. And you know, this, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's interesting. So when the rule first came out that you could use, you know, video replay systems, I mean, we were straight old school. We had a laptop up top. We had a camera. We had two memory cards. And we were literally swapping the memory card out of the camera, sticking it in the laptop, pulling up the plays, uh, and then going back and forth between offense and defense with one laptop in the press box. That's how we started, just with the sideline angle. And then, obviously, as the technology has gotten better and better, I mean, we were with Echo for a little bit, and we were, you know, we had some challenges with that. And then now with Skycoach, this this year we finally got the end zone with the sideline. And, and I can't believe I went the last four or five years or however long we've had replay without end zone. It was like a whole new world was opened up to us. Right. Know? And the way it works, it's just like, oh my gosh, how did I ever do this without having end zone? It was insane. It was absolutely, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I need the end zone and, and going back to your point, if a team, and I mean, you always want tendencies, but a lot of teams, their tendencies are built into their personnel package. Like, again, I'm playing the team yeah. tomorrow. This will come out on Saturday. So I'm not saying anything. I'm not speaking out of turn, but we see a team that as of the first game in the scrimmage, they're only running 20 personnel sniffer owl stuff in short yardage and inside the red zone. So I don't need to like when they're, when it's 20 personnel, I know it's either if it's in the open field, it's third and short or fourth and short. And if it's inside the red zone, it's inside the red zone. That's what they're going to do. And they're 90% run out of it or 80% run or whatever it is. Well, so right. I don't need right. to know, like it, if when you tell me it's 20 personnel, I know it's okay. It's heavy run. Um, you know, right. I don't need to know that. But if you're seeing a team that gets like we, I always bring these guys up, Valley Christian in San Jose, great guys, great staff, amazing. They do an amazing job year in, year out. I don't, I don't know if there's a more consistent team out there in the state just every year. But, um, you know, they've gotten a 31 personnel one year and they were in their wing T team and they're jumping into 10 looks and 11 looks and they're in 31. And so, now I'm going to rely on the statistics more. Like what's the run pass by down and distance. And, and so a lot of te- even yeah. multiple personnel teams will do that. But if you're a spread team playing a 10 personal spread team and they jump in 11 personnel, they're pretty much going to do it to run the ball more than not. And vice versa. If right. you're seeing a 21 personnel team and they're getting into 10 right. pretty much going to be third down two minute, you know, and to get coming from behind that sort of deal. But I, that's right. when I need more right. tendencies like, Hey, that, you know, they're, they're 87% pass here, whatever. So anyway, the next question comes from Joe to I think it's to I, I sorry. I messed up the pronunciation on this coaches, offensive line and linebackers at new Brighton high school in new Brighton, Pennsylvania. His Twitter account is at tabs zero five two. His question is 
What are your speed option fits and how do you game plan for teams that check at the line of scrimmage of play? Okay, so that's obviously two separate questions. So speed option, it depends on the coverage. I mean, most of the time, the end is going to play the quarterback and whatever coverage guy is going to play the pitch. Whether it's man coverage, then the guy that has the pitch will play, you know, the guy that has the back will play the pitch. Um, if it's, you know, a regular zone coverage, usually your flat player has pitch on option, unless you're running some, uh, what I call line concept where the ends coming up field and the blitzers coming underneath, then that would switch. But most of the time, unless you've assigned the end to the back, like you're, you're bringing double a gap blitz or something inside and your ends have the backs, the ends going to play the quarterback and your secondary guy is going to play the pitch. And then if it's the other way around and you've assigned the ends to the back or you're running that line concept, then I think the end would play the the pitch and um, the blitzer would play the quarterback. I'll say this, though. I think there's two ways to play speed option. I think and you tell me what you think about this. I think you either need to like force it right now, like this has to happen as soon as the ball snapped or you slow play it. I think you get in a trouble speed option when you kind of sit in between. And you kind of run at the quarterback and kind of hang out and then go get him. Then I think that's where that timing of the play where it's successful. But I think if you can go smoke the quarterback as soon as the ball snap, like a free runner, go hit him now before the guy can really get in pitch relationship. Or if it's gun before he can really get it, I don't know, get the ball to the perimeter. He's pitching it backwards or string it out. So that's how I would say to play it. And I don't know how you feel about that. Well, you know, we're a three, four base. So that's, you know, let's start with that, with that picture. Um, with that being said, the number one thing you have to determine is, is this team running a, I mean, are they running speed options, a good dose of their offense, or is this just something that they do because they're, they just want you to prepare for it. Uh, point. That's number one. I mean, if it's a team that's, you know, making a living off the of speed options, then our philosophy is, all right, we need to make sure that whatever front we're in, whatever blitz we're doing and whatever coverage we're doing, just like you said, you got to make sure that you have clearly defined responsibilities for everybody. Secondly, you got to make sure that you switch up those responsibilities as well. And whether it's, you know, speed option or zone read or beer option, it, it doesn't matter. You've got to make sure that you clearly define the responsibilities of everybody. If you're a three under three D fire zone uh, team, well, then you better make sure if they're, if they're running speed option, that you've got it clearly defined. All right, who's got quarterback, who's got pitch. So there's that component. The other component is, is, you know, who is that kid that's running the speed option? I, I know I heard it. I know it was you. It was one of the podcasts that I listened to earlier where, um, you know, the quarterback is, is the guy on just about every team that you're going to play. There's a reason why most teams only have one, maybe two quarterbacks. So we got to make a decision and determination. Is that their guy? If that's their guy, then I want to put the pressure on him as fast as humanly possible because we all know that if that dude goes down, now it's their second or third guy that's potentially coming in to play quarterback. And if, and if they're willing to put him at risk, knowing that he's going to get you know popped pretty good the first time they run that play, then then that's something that they're going to have to live with. But if it's a guy that's you know you know he's a runner, he's a you know a Kyler Murray type of kid. Okay, well then you better make sure you're really dialed in that you're going to take care of him. Most of the times that we've seen speed option, they don't want the quarterback running it. They want to pitch the ball right away. And so you, you have three different, you know, or two different things that you said. You can either slow play it or attack it. We're of the, of the feeling that you need to attack it. You know, we don't like feathering, especially against a, a kid that's it's a good runner. 
you know, at, at the quarterback position. If we know that he's a good player, no, we're going to put somebody on him as fast as humanly possible and make sure that we're dialed in with whoever's responsible for the pitch based on coverage, based on blitz, based on whatever we're doing. Uh, we don't like feathering at all, you know, unless it's right. a kid that's indecisive. If he's an indecisive, you know, and that's the other thing, you know, who do they really want to have the ball? Do they want the quarterback running it or do they want to pitch it? You know, and we'll make sure that we've got them both covered, but with the understanding that our kids going into that week know, hey, look, this kid wants to pitch the ball. So let's get him to pitch the ball in a hurry and we'll, we'll take care of the pitch man. Or, hey, this guy really wants to run. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be late to the pitch guy. Let's take care of the quarterback first. I mean, that's, that's just our philosophy. And, and I think you hit it on the head. It all depends on what your coverage is. You know, who's your force defender? Uh, who, who's going to take care of that quarterback? You got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you know, however many calls you've got going into that game, that every one of them you've got that accounted for if speed option is a big part of their game. Yeah, and I think the person that said there's uh, about the quarterbacks was Pat Fox said there's only one Rudolph that carries the sleigh or something like that. Love that. Oh, I love That's that. the best. That's so I laughed perfect. so hard so when he true. said that. Um, the other question, the it's other so part of the true. question was, uh, what do you do versus teams that check the line of scrimmage? Well, that depends on and scouting. How long are they checking? Is that a quick like look over and then you know I'm going to flip the run and then go? Or are they getting a whole new play? I tell our kids if they check, we check. But I'm always freaked out that people are going to like fake check, where they're going to instead of freezing and then looking over and getting the play is giving the play freeze hit the defense to look over to the sideline and then snap the ball. So I'll, you know, I'll start, that- I'll start oh, looking ahead. over to the sideline or I'm sorry. When, if I think it's going to be long, I'll start yelling, check, 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 check. And they'll know to look at me and then I'll either give them another call or tell them to run it. So. That's interesting that you said that because we are facing an opponent that does that. You know, the, it's a, it's a hundred percent check with me offense. They get up on the ball they get in their formation and then and then they all look to the sideline. I mean, everybody, the entire offensive line, everybody's looking to the sideline. And then there's some times where they literally got up and they simulated that they were going to, you know, do the check with me and then boom, they snapped the ball. I mean, they fake their own camera guys out. And so we're in the same boat. I mean, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that at times, but you know, until it starts to hurt us, I do the same thing. Hey, they're going to check. We're going to check. You know, and I think the other thing too is you got to prepare your kids for that ahead of time. Like, hey, look, these guys are a check with me team. So as soon as they right. do that, you, you run the call that I called, and as soon as you see their dudes look into their sideline, you need to look to our sideline. And if I want to change it, then I'll change it. But you know, ninety percent of the time, I'm rolling with the first call anyway. It's not, I'm not, you know. I, and that's the other thing. If you're a blitz team, you know, you, and you know that they're a check with me, well, then you got to tell you guys, hey, look, man, we can't show our cards too soon. We got to be patient. You know, which means you're going to blitz from depth a little bit more that week, which we're fine with. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, there's certain blitzes that, yes, you need some guys to sugar up to open some things up if you're stunt linemen. But if you know you're going to see a check with me team, well, then don't run those blitzes that week. Run the stuff that you can run from depth so that, you know, they don't have time to check out of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think, you know, you like you said, are they doing it all the time? Or is it a team that just does it a little bit? Are they doing it because they want to check the play? Or are they doing it because they want to try to draw you off sides? And then, oh, you didn't jump. Well, now we need to play. I think there's there's also a difference yeah. there. Um, and then figure out what they're doing. I mean, we played a team where they only checked a certain place. 
and and they only this is years ago, but they only they only checked the runs. <laughs> so right, we right. would we and they had a tendency when they were going to do the check. So we would have a pass heavy call, give them a light box. They would check and then we hit it on the run. And so, you know, that's another part of it. But anyway. Moving along, my uh, friend Seth Galena, who coaches offense in all caps. Uh, um, he uh, He's in St. Laurent, Canada, and his school he coaches at is none of your business. Great, 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 Seth. Good to, good to chat with you, too. <laughs> Seth's a great dude. I love Seth. His uh, Twitter handle is at Seth Galena. If you want some good QB breakdowns, um, college and pro, he's, he's the man. So. Seth's question is, how do you game plan against different pass protections you see on a weekly basis? Are you trying to beat scheme with your blitzes and stunts against certain players or against the scheme? And what are you charting on huddle? So basically he's asking, okay, how am I going to game plan versus the pass protections? Are we trying to beat people? Are we trying to beat scheme? And then how we're charting it. Do you want to, you want to take this one first? Yeah, absolutely, and 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 all due uh, fairness and credit, uh, you know, we talked about them earlier, or mentioned them earlier before we got on the air. But Tim Tolick over at San Mateo uh, uh, City College up there in the Bay Area is the guy that I credit and give full full credit to, really teaching me uh, the whole concept and idea of identifying pass protections and then coming up with a menu of blitzes to attack those pass protections. So what we do every year is we decide, okay. Uh, we're, we're going to see what are the pass protections that we saw last year? What are the standard pass protections that teams typically run? And we build a menu of blitzes and we don't, we don't go more than three. So if we know that you're a full slide team, okay, full slide, everybody's going one way, the back is picking up the end man on the line of scrimmage. Then we've got three blitzes that we want to run versus that type of pass protection. If you are a uh, partial slide team, all right, so you're locking the tackle up, everybody else is sliding and the back's going to read from B to C. And we've got three blitzes that we want to run versus that. If you're a man-fan team, all right, you're going to man up the nose guard and you're going to fan the guards and fan the tackles and have the running back pick up the, the uncovered or the open A gap, then we got three blitzes that we want to run versus that. And we do that in spring, summer, all the way through fall, and we review those constantly on a weekly basis so that just in case, all right, we, we scouted a team, we saw that they were you know full slide, we practiced and emphasized our full slide blitzes, but – they got in the game versus us, and now they're going man-fan. Oh, crap. All our you know, full slide or partial slide blitzes are out the window. Now what do we do? Well, for us, it's not an issue. Okay, no problem. They're going man-fan. Here's our next menu of blitzes. And by doing that, number one, you get really good at those three blitzes. And again, for us, I don't know, three was the magic number. We just said, we're just going to have three. We're going to have three blitzes for every pass protection that we see so that no matter what you run in a game, if you change it on us, uh, you know, you ran one thing for five games and then you decided to change it, which is not uncommon because, you know, we don't see a lot of the teams that we scout. They're not running at the opponents that they play. They're running 40 fronts. They're not running. We don't see a ton of three, four teams. So it is possible that, hey, they could be running this protection versus, you know, the even fronts. And then they get against us and they change it to, you know, man fan or, or partial or full slide or whatever. But the point is, is that by creating this system, you've got all the protections. That you, that you expect to see, and you've got a menu of blitzes already ready to go that you can plug in for each of those. Now, the second part of that was he asked about, you know, do you attack individuals? You know, it's not so much that we attack individuals with scheme. We'll do with players. If we know that, hey, look, this right tackle is a little bit, you know, he's a little bit weak in his pass protection, 
then we'll put our stronger defensive end on that side. We'll put our better pass rushing defensive end on him and really put the pressure on them to make sure that, hey, look, if you're going to keep running this pass protection with that guy against our guy, we feel like we're going to win that battle. But in terms of, you know, changing it wholesale now, I mean, that, we do what I described. We're, you got a pass protection. We've got a menu of blitzes that we're going to run versus it. You know, I've considered doing something like that, and I think you might have just inspired me to do that. And I kind of have, a, I mean, I have a, it's not clearly defined. It's defined in my brain. But the kids don't know it as, hey, this is what we're going to do. I mean, yes and no, but it's not. I'm too ADD to have just three. I mean, I wish I could. I wish, I really wish I could have that sort of restraint. I think I would be a better coach if I did. I just don't have it in me. Um, But you bet I'm going to be calling you or texting you as soon as we're done here to send me those blitzes. That's right. And uh, and then you can, I'll be selling them on my website for $30. I'm just kidding. Um, No, that's a really good, I have uh, one. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's all out there. I mean, I've, I've done these presentations in Glacier. They're, you know, I'm not getting a dime from Glacier, but they're on Glacier Vault. I mean, I've, I've done this stuff, presented this stuff before, and, and, you know, understand that, yes, we have three blitzes that we design, but we'll tweak them each year, and those are just the ones that are designed to attack those pass protections. We have other blitzes that we'll run that I don't care what your pass protection is. We'll run those anyway. So it's not... I, you know, it's not just limited to just, okay, well, we're only running these three. If you now we've got other blitzes that we do too, that'll attack any pass protection. And, and of course the, the run game as well, but it's just been, and, and you know, just to, to hit what you just said, what we really wanted to emphasize with our kids is, Hey, look guys, if they're a man fan team, where are the gaps? Where, where do we want to attack? Okay, coach. Well, we want to attack the a gaps because they're putting a running back there in the center to take care of the nose guard. So great. So we got three different ways and you know that we're going to send somebody through the, those eight gaps to really see if they're going to commit to doing that and putting a running back on a, on a linebacker or a defensive end that's you know long sticking into that eight gap as we fire somebody through the B gap for the guard to pick up. You know we'll find out real quick if they're going to do that. So I mean it, it, it's it's a big picture is what we're trying to what we're trying to build. Right. Yeah, and I also need since they're now a sponsor, the sponsor. Of the podcast, I need to get anytime somebody mentions the Glacier Vault, I need like the you know the the air horn in the hip hop songs, like the bear, 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 bear. <laughs> I need that. I need the I need the Glacier Vault anytime somebody mentions Glacier Vault. Um, no, that I mean that's kind of uh, yes, that's my response to what you all that stuff you just said. Yes, this is a great point. We do the same thing. I'm always changing how I do it in huddle. I've never been happy with it the closest thing i got was the aranda ron roberts style of classifying protections basically what we do is and 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 i think studying pass protection was way easier than it was 10 years ago because when i was in the bay area which shout out to csm csm is where coach tullock's from where coach just mentioned is was two one two exits from sarah where i was at for five years love that place love coach tullock sent a lot of kids there I think I, I went to a game. There was like seven Sarah players at one time playing on the field or something crazy. But anyway, I digress. I mean, we played a team, the infamous Palo Alto high school where Jim Harbaugh went to school and their old retired head coach, Earl Hansen, who learned the West coast offense, him and Dan Navarro, who I was employed by his son and is still a really good friend of mine, learned the West coast offense from Bill Walsh, literally walked across the street. That's where their high school is. No, I'm not even joking. 
and wow. they would play 20 they'd get in 21 and 11 and they would do you know they're releasing you know they're in split backs and the, the weak side back was swinging and the tight end release and then the strong side back would stay in and then they would keep both backs in and release the tight end they'd keep they'd keep the tight end in and send out both i mean they they had a total combo of everything i mean it was incredible and but today i think it's like all right 10 personnel it's going to be you know it's easy you just say six man as a six man or five man i mean obviously you can't get seven man unless you're motioning somebody in and is it full slide half slide big on big or scat protection which is just five man protection and then if it's 11 personnel most of the time the tight ends releasing and if not it's usually play action protection you're seeing teams do that where they're yeah. You know, running what uh, Dave Aranda and those guys call YT protection where the line is sliding one way and the back of the tight end are going to the other. And there's not much like guys aren't re- not a lot of guys are releasing the back and keeping the tight end in and or releasing the tight yeah. end and keeping the back. I mean, that that's more common. But I think really it's how many people are protecting and what kind of protection, because there's so much shotgun now. If I say full slide, I don't need to give a a, a, a direction. Because I, I mean, maybe you as an odd front team, because maybe you might think in terms more left and right than I do. We're not. We're we're to the back. Where if you're a tight end team, we're looking. Where's the tight end or where's the back of the shotgun? The offset back kind of gives away where the protection's going to go. Now I will say pistols a little different. We'll look at direction more. You fielder boundary left or right, but so our our way of breaking down protections is really simplified in that regard. So. And then in terms of scheme, I have like a sliding scale where it's like, okay, we're going to try to beat the scheme with, and then look at people. Uh, I'm not as adventurous in terms of flipping guys, unless it's a, unless my base plan is to rush four guys for most of the game, then I'll just put matchups, but I want to be able to run, run my whole defense. And what we do is kind of complicated. And so it's hard to move guys and be like, all right, you're going to play on the left side this week because of how we set our fronts. but. Right. That's one of those things I've always said I was going to do is have like a specific pass rushing front where it's kind of like, okay, you guys know we're going to only rush four, but these four guys are badasses and we're going to get our matchups. We're going to beat scheme with the mismatches. And so hats right. like, you do a lot of things that I want to do, but I just can't bring myself to do it. It's, it's kind of funny. Like you're, you've been said a couple of things. I'm like, yeah, man, I wish I could do that. I just, I just can't, but it's, that's a great idea. And I want to, I just can't it's let it go easier. for yeah, it's a lot easier to flip guys in a three four than a than a four right. for sure. For us, I mean it's just it's it's a lot easier. You know, we can put our stronger guy on their weaker guy and it's, it's we're not gonna lose anything. And and the way that we teach our defense, I mean, all of our calls and blitzes are left I mean, they're all they they're interchangeable. So whether the kids right. are playing three games on the right side and then we move them to the left side, it don't matter because we're still gonna run the blitz from his side or the other side. He's he's gotta be, you know, our end and tackle, which is what we designate or two, four techniques, they're interchangeable. One play, they could be an end based on formation. The next play, they could be the tackle. It doesn't matter for us because it's, you know, the, the blitzes are run either way, you know, equally. Absolutely. So, Seth, thanks for your question. Our next question comes from Mason Hughes, who's the head coach at Central Valley Christian in Visalia, California. Great dude, Mason. Go follow Mason on Twitter. He's at Mason underscore Hughes. Great man. Great, great man. Got to go against him in a passing league this summer and just a, just an awesome guy, man. Just always so supportive and so 
I mean, he'll ask a question and be simple, you know, like, you know, be a 30 second answer. And he's just like, man, thank you so much. Just such a great, great dude. His question is about the shotgun, double tight, double wing. It runs counter powers. They're pulling the guards, the tight ends, the tackles, the wings. They'll usually pull two or three people. It's kind of like I get it sounds like it's the term Tim Murphy stuff. And he's he he he's runs a three four. And so I'm going to I'm going to let you take this one first. I'll talk more big picture, but you can get in the nuts and bolts. He wants to know, you know, how you would defend it. But, you know, and, and then asked about some five, six man or seven man pressures and what coverages are the best to run behind it. Um, I have some thoughts on that, but I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to do a, a chalk war with uh, Coach Murphy, uh, gosh, two years ago up in Frisco at uh, uh, one of those Glacier chalk war things. And it was really eye-opening. It was a great experience, great learning opportunity for, for me. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, just initially off the bat, I'm not a big fan of blitzing that stuff. And, and my thought process is this. Uh, when you blitz that that type of offense where there's so many, there's so much stuff going on, you know, guys pulling and faking in the backfield and everything else. Uh, it doesn't take much for guys to get picked off and for somebody to squirt through. And now it's your, you know, your safety that's, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield making a tackle. So, you know, I'm sorry if I, I you know, if I, you know, kind of ruined the thought process on this, I just don't, I, my philosophy is I want to, I want to make sure that we're gap sound in, in our scheme I want to make sure that, you know, from a quarters concept, which is primarily what we're using, that we're really investing our safeties into the fit so that we get a nine-man front. And then, of course, you know, with the corners, you can play games with them, whether they're the flat defenders or whether you put them up top and invert the safeties and make them the, the secondary force defenders outside of the outside backers. But with that being said, I think the key to defending that type of system uh, number one is your your inside backers have got to be really locked and dialed in with key in the guards. And I know we could have a debate. I mean, if you put that on a Twitter poll, uh, if you're a three, four team, do you read guards or do you read backs? You might get 50, 50 right down the middle. And, uh, you know, I, I think the answer is both of them. You got to be able to do both, but in that type of system, because of all the polling that's going on, you got to, you got to have your inside linebackers dialed in to the polling and what's going on. Cause if they start looking at the backfield and all the, stuff that's going on back there, they're going to get lost. I think the second thing that you got to do against that type of offense is based on who, if they're pre-snap motioning somebody, you got to have your safeties really dialed in on that as well. And your inverts, the outside backers, you know, if the wing is motioning away from you, it's pretty standard that they're either a going to run a counter right back to you. They're going to do a waggle pass right back to you. Um, you know, they might do a counter trade back at you, but the point is, is that there's certain plays that based on the motion, man, uh, that you're going to see. And if you're on the side that the motion's coming to, well, then you got to make sure that, all right, we're either getting power, we're getting uh, you know, you know, jet sweep or toss sweep to the perimeter. We're getting something, you know, full, full fledged, uh, power pitch, you know, we're getting that. And you got to really make sure you guys are dialed in on that. And, and I'll, the last thing I'll add to that is the, the changeup that we'll do. And, and again, We'll, we'll play either four eyes, fours, or fives, and we'll mix all three of those in. You know, as that, that would be the most exotic changeup that we do. Uh, but the other thing that we will do is we've done some stuff where we've taken our, our four techniques, and we've actually backed them up off the ball. So we still have our nose guard on the line of scrimmage, but we'll back the end and the tackle up about, uh, about a yard, yard and a half off the ball. 
will angle their bodies and they'll be lined up because most of the time those teams are in foot to foot splits or they're pretty close splits. They'll be playing the closest I could guess would be a five technique, but they're angled. And what we'll tell those guys is, all right, you're, you're, you're attacking at an angle and you're looking at that guard. And if your guard blocks down, okay, you are going as hard and as fast as you can through that gap. And you're probably going to end up going right off the tackles. But if your guard pulls, right, if your guard pulls, we're going to get you over the top around the nose guard. So not behind the line of scrimmage, but over the top of the nose guard. And we're going to get an extra body there because a lot of that offense is based on getting multiple bodies to the point of attack. I mean, including the quarterback a lot of times. So that's one of the things that we've, we've put in that we've used. We actually played a double tight, double wing, not shotgun, but double tight, double wing team our first week. And that was one of the changeups that we did. And we had some success with that, you know, letting that, that, that backside in when he sees his guard pull, he's flying over the top and, you know, trying to, you don't want to overcoach that kid. You just say, look, your guard pulls, go over the top of the nose guard and find the ball. You know, think of, uh, you know, stand by me, sick balls, chopper, you know, just find the guy with the ball because it's going to be a mosh pit. There's not going to be a lot of open run lanes, but if you see an open run lane, as you get over the top of the nose guard, man, you freaking hit it, get through that open lane. And you're going to by you're going to end up tackling the ball carrier as a matter of self-defense because there's no one's going to account for you. So that's one of the things that we do. But other than that, we don't do a lot of blitzing versus that stuff for the reasons that I already uh, you know, stated earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, we I've played this offense a bunch. It's actually how I got the job at Sarah was in San Mateo was I was at St. Francis and we won a game that we had no business winning. We actually had shut Sarah out. They were eight and one. It was a senior day. We were four and five. I didn't think we were going to win, let alone get a shutout. And it was just, it was their flex bone double under center, double wing team. And it was just a perfect storm and ended up game changed my life. And that's why when people tell me X and O's don't matter, I just laugh at them. I'm like, I literally got the job off of this, but, and I, and I could, I could talk about this for hours and obviously not going to, I'm also, I'm actually rather in the process of doing some for coaches tube on defending the double wing. Um, which was supposed to be out in like June or July. And I just, I dropped the ball. A lot of life stuff happened. This podcast happened and all my free time was hoovered up, but uh, I'll give you some of my quick hits. We are not a three, four team, but I will tell you some of the things that I think is very important to defend this offense. First to answer your question directly. I, we have a blitz for it. We have two blitzes for it. We'll blitz the safeties. So we'll blitz a safety to motion and spill it and then have basically rotate down to cover two to that side and man away from the motion. And then we'll um, blitz the backside of the motion and then play, keep our, our base defense on the front side and then play man on the backside and hopefully blitz into the counter if it comes back. But other than that, we're not blitzing. Um, but I think a couple things to defend the offense. One, the defense line is to die for their spot. Two, we play double six techniques because I think it, it, the spacing changes in the double wings, so you can play a G and a six technique and a not you not bat an eye. And this is this is hugely controversial, and everybody tells me I'm full of crap, but won a lot of games playing this offense is we get both linebackers over the top because yeah. of the motion. And if they're in the gun, they have to run sideways. Literally, they tell their back to line up on the tight end, and he is running flat across. It's really hard to cut back, and so we try to get both guys 
too over the top. And what ends up happening is you make the backstop and then the backside safety makes the tackle, which sounds crazy, but everything's so condensed that you can do it. And I, I watched uh, Bellarmine college prep from San Jose, uh, I think 40 something games when I got to, to St. Francis and every even front team that they beat the front side guy would get outside. The backside guy would kick cut off. The, the backside guy would pull and kick the mic. The backside tackle would pull and log the log the wheel inside, and they'd split you every single time. You can even see it on our film when that happened. What would happen? We get gashed. And so the first day we put cones out there, and we have them run to the cones. We we basically it's like zone coverage for linebackers. Like if you see a pull, you're running to a spot and then find the ball because if you kind of tempo yeah. the ball, it'll beat you there. And literally, we play with we play with little safeties playing linebackers. Because if you're playing four down, you're not going to get much up to you if you can beat it there. And so we've done all sorts of crazy stuff. One thing I will say is if you're seeing a team down blocking with the wings, spill it. If you're playing, yeah. If you're playing, and, and I know this is an odd front question, but you know, to, to in my world, you know, the only way you can get that Mike linebacker, I mean, he's in a 40 I 30 technique. The backside guards can have to beat him there and pull all the way around to get him. I, I know they draw it like that, but that's hard. And so really the only way you can get that guy is if you turn out on the edge defender and lead the fullback on him, or you take the wing and seal him down. And so if you're going to do that, we let our safety spill and, and as our linebackers approach the off tackle gap, if they see the wing, they try and slip him. And get over the top, knowing that if that wing is coming down on me, we've spilled the football. And it's kind of a trust thing. Well, it's not kind of a trust thing. It is a trust thing. So that's one thing that we do. I mean, there's so much, but those are some of the quick hits. Um, the backside safety, if you're playing one high, the backside safety is one of your most important defenders because he makes a lot of tackles. And you wouldn't think of that that would be the case. So anyway, I know that was well, kind think- of a long-winded answer. But what, what were we going to say, Coach? Well- I was just going to add that, that it's a hundred percent that we are wrong army with our outside backers. I mean, we are, we're going to loot, we're going to loosen up our, our um, outside backers. They're not going to play on the tight end. They're going to play uh, on the wings, head up on the wings. And we're going to make that wings job trying to down block a little bit tougher, but it's, but it's going to put him in a, that's going to put that outside backer in a natural path to spill whatever kickouts coming, whether it's the fullback, whether it's the guard, whether it's whatever, we're real big into that. And, you know, again, we want to see, can your kid outrun our safety? If your kid can outrun our safety, then we'll box it. If your kid can't outrun our safeties, then we're going to spill it. I mean, that's most of the teams that run this offense, they don't want it. They don't want it to bounce unless it's a pre-designed, hey, we're trying to get outside. They want to hit that thing. I mean, we see it hit a lot of front side A to a little bit of B, but most of the time it's hitting really tight. So we're really, we're, we're going we're gonna to stress out whoever your kickout blocker is. I mean, we're telling our outside backers, we want you to go make the tackle in that A gap. And that really gets them, you know, really focused in on, all right, well, the only way I'm going to do that is I got to really spill this kickout block. So we do the same thing. Well, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, uh, because I know we got to move on. We're going a little, I'm going a little long tonight, but you know, if you're playing an eight man front, I'll tell you this because you just said something they want to run outside unless they're running rocket toss. Now, if they're running rocket toss, like coach is saying, yeah, but I actually had a clip. The first time I played it, we played our safeties wide like TCU does. And we played them real wide and had them forced at a 45 degree angle. But what happened was 
The safety's coming outside in at a 45. The inside pursuit's coming inside out, and we actually forced it too fast. And so what happened is they, the secret is they really want to turn the ball up unless it's rock, unless it's on a dead pitch on a sprint. But if it's fly sweep or they're handing it to the guy, they wanted to get that thing up inside. And so what happened is we set it too fast and we actually, it looks like the play they ran. I I can still remember the kid's name. Um, I can still remember his number. I can still remember exactly where it was on the field. And it looked like it was, it looked like, um, Coach Rob Everett's Go Army Edge app. Like it looked like it was drawn up in the playbook. It was it was bad for us. Wow. Great for them. And what I found was we actually had it too wide. So the next time we played it, we tightened those guys down to two yards outside, four yards off. And if you can picture this, and if you can't, buy my video series coming out whenever it comes out. I'm just kidding. I I hate doing that, but awesome. it's true. <laughs> if, if you if you uh, if you can picture it, we're running inside out but we're still forcing the ball outside in. So we're giving them the illusion that we're all running together. And so everybody's running inside out, but we're, but my safety, when he gets there, he's going to turn it back in. What was happening was when you don't do that, the outside guys coming fast and that ball can tunnel before everybody can get there. And that again, most of what we do in coaching, I always say this, and this is kind of ripped off from our mutual friend, Patrick Walsh, but, Everything that I've learned and do in coaching comes from pain and misery. And again, we fixed this after we got killed on it. Um, but that's another. Uh, and if you're an eight man front team, which it doesn't sound like you are, but I'm just throwing this out there to my eight man front four down guys that are listening to this and have the same question. But the main point is you need to force the ball. You still want to force the ball inside, but you want to run from outside in, make them think they have the edge. Get the whole defense moving in that direction and then force it. They have to turn it up and then the cavalry's there. Sorry, that was a long, long answer. I'm, I'm starting to answer questions that aren't even being asked. I'm going to get us back on track. I've just had such a crappy week. I'm just excited to talk about football. I didn't even, I'm just inventing questions now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll take this one first. This one's from Jason A-G, A-G-E-E. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Uh, he coaches he coaches uh, corners at Park Hill in um, oh the computer just freaked out in Kansas City Missouri. His question is: What blitzes stunts do you like when facing twenty personnel teams that primarily run counter, buck sweep, and power? Okay, so I'll take this one first. My favorite slant to the play: bring a guy off the backside. That's how I like to do it. Um, four down. I think the secret to stopping counter power is to get the nose across face. Um, on the back block from the center, I think the weak spot is the strong a gap. A lot of people disagree, but it's where we've had success. And then counter, I honestly, out of our defense, I don't like blitzing and stunning it. Like, because if you're running it back to the G, who's got my mic? So let's say you're pulling the guard and the owl or the sniffer. I call them the owl sniffer. So the center's back on the three. The nose is down on the G. Who's got the mic? The the play side tackle. My guy's gonna beat. My guy should beat that. If he's not, he's fired. So if I know that it's coming and I'm 100% sure, I'll slant back with the play. I like to slant into plays and blitz off the backside, and then buck sweep. I've tried that and it's works. It's hit or miss. So I think the best thing to do versus buck sweep is getting a G whether it's two G's or the under and then 
have them try to block down uh, on the G with the tackle or get it where they're, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to pull the tackle on buck sweep instead of the guard. We'll go down on the G with the guard and then just pull the tackle and blitz somebody through the B gap to the play. That's, those are my, off the top of my head. So I don't know how you feel about that. You know, it's funny. We see some 20 personnel and, but the teams that we see, because we are a three, four, we don't get a lot of counters or powers because the issue is what are you going to do with that tackle that uh, is, you know, to the side that you're running. A lot of teams that like to run the power versus uh, three fours, they need somebody to double team the tight end to get to the, you know, either, whether they're going to get it to the front side backer or the backside backer. So we don't see a ton of power out of that team or out of, uh, you know, out of that personnel grouping against us just because they, they don't know what we're going to do with our ends and tackles. They don't know. Are they going to slam into the B? Are they going to slam into the C? Um, but with that being said, if we were seeing that, if a team was going to force the issue and still just run that play, um, you know, we'd like the same thing that you said. We'd like to blitz right into it. Um, you know, I, I think the NCAA All-American Blitz right into it is, is man, that messes them up because that, that end that's long sticking into the A, that tackle's like, oh, crap, where's he going? Wait, that's my guy. Where are you going? And he ends up chasing him. It, it collapses that side of the line. Now you've got your inside backer coming right off the tail of that down blocking tackle as he's chasing your defensive end who's long sticking. And then you got your outside linebacker there as well. So the, the blitzing Mike will end up spilling the play right to your outside backer. And then you've got, you got obviously got the safety dropping down from high, uh, your three high, three under three look. He's coming down and we'll end up spilling it to him as well if he gets outside the outside backer, which doesn't happen very often. That's that's really it. I mean, we just in our three four scheme, we just don't see that that much. You know, they if they're going to run power, they want to put they need a tight end at least, or you know, they take that sniffer and uh, you know try and you know do one back power. I mean, we'll see some of that, but and and if we see that, we're going to just we're blitzing right into it. I mean, I think it's the same thing that you're doing. Yeah, one of my things that I like to do, I learned this off season, is and I might be. Maybe giving some away here, but we, uh, I won't tell you what we call it, but we line up in the mint, the tight, whatever you want to call it. And we take the four eye to the play side and loop him in the C gap and blitz that mic in the B. And I've, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I've been an, uh, uh, rather, sorry, I've been an even front guy for a very long time. Blitzing inside backers is not how you solve problems out of that defense, in my opinion. Are there certain times you do it? Yeah. Under center 12 personnel, we're coming. But I don't know how many teams are running under center inside and outside zone 12 personnel as the staple in 2019. But now that I'm kind of playing with the three down fronts, I can't stop blitzing the inside linebackers because it's not something we do a lot of. And our, and our kids, our kids love it, especially the guy to the back. Like if you're running the mint stuff, he's the nest technique. He didn't have anything to do. He's just like chilling for the quarterback. So I thought, you know, being an even front guy that the kids would like the one gap, even front defense, they actually kind of like the odd stuff, especially when you're covering up those guards and they don't have to take them on. But I digress. Our next question comes from Bruno Brepole. He's the defensive coordinator. It says, uh, oh, uh, by the way, I'm sorry, Jason. If you want to connect with Jason, his Twitter account is at J-A-G-E-E-3-2. I got to get better at this. Uh, There's only my third Q&A where I'm having to read questions and stuff. I'm still, I'm still a little rusty. Anyway, back to Bruno, who's at Coach Brepole. That's at Coach B-R-E-P-O-H-L. He coaches in Brazil uh, and in a city called Curtiba. Cur- Cur- I'm probably sure I'm saying that's wrong. It's 
C-U-R-I-T-I-B-A, Silverhawks. I butchered the hell out of that. Anyway, Coach's question, which is way more important than me trying to spell stuff, is he's a base 4-3, two high safeties quarter team. How would you handle a really mobile quarterback who can roll out and still pass really well on the move? They pay 10 and 11. I'll take this one first because this is our wheelhouse. I know you play some quarters, but we live in the four down world. I'm a four down girl and I'm living in a four down world. Uh, I'm bringing <laughs> if I know I'm going to get sprint out. I'm One of my favorite things to do is to take the end to wherever they're sprinting out. I don't know if you're saying really mobile quarterback who can roll out. So I'll say this. I'm going to assume you're talking about sprint out and then I'll answer just a guy that likes to run out of the pocket. If it's sprint out. An old standby, loosen the end up, bring him up the field, bring the safety from the field underneath, make him pull it up, come hit him in the face from the underneath safety or backer from the field. And then if you have an inside backer who's got the back, have him add on to the back. Um, the best way to stop, I mean, if you're getting sprint out, it's usually some sort of flood concept, playing some man coverage with outside leverage, and you're good to go. I know you're a base 4 3 team, but that's, if I know I'm going to see that stuff, that's not. Four, three, two high safeties quarters, not always my favorite. If you are talking about just a guy who's mobile, who just likes to scramble, I'm also going to get out of four down. One thing that I had an epiphany, I was last year was I was watching a Kirby Smart Nike Coach of the Year presentation, and they talked about their odd mirror package. And I'm not speaking at a turn. You know, I visited there the last couple of years, but I'm only, um, I don't need the dog showing up at my front door, but this is from the clinic. So please. Guys, if you're listening, please, please don't send the uh, the dog militia after me. Um, they have a package called the Odd Mirror Package, and it comes from Alabama, where they get in a three down, and they force the quarterback out of the pocket, which is counterintuitive. Like, hey, you have a scrambling quarterback. Why are you going to flush him out of the pocket? Well, I did the whole four down thing. Like, we're going to cage the pocket. We're going to keep him in the pocket. And all we did was give him a clean throwing lane. That's what they wanted. Unless... The kid is just absolutely god-awful as a pocket passer. Most of the time, they're going to sprint him out and get him on the move by design. But if he's just a guy that likes to get loose and get out of there, like one one open or one option's not open, I'm taking off. We adopted some of that philosophy in the Odd Mirror philosophy, and we actually came up and under with the ends. We assigned the nose to go one way. We assigned one of the backers walked up over the guards to take the other way and one guy to be a spy. And we said, okay, dude. You want to go out of the pocket, we'll let you out of the pocket, but we're going to force you to a certain side. And I think that's very different than saying, okay, we're going to try to keep a guy in the pocket. And if he gets out, he can go any which way. You're basically designing. You're saying, okay, you want to get out of the pocket. You're only allowed to get out of the pocket this way. And we know that's where you're going to go. And we're going to have traps laid for you. And I just had that epiphany because I'm like, I'm actually my defense in a four down world for stopping really mobile quarterbacks was actually helping them. Like who wants, I mean, we're telling our D tackles to mush rush and keep their head and eyes up and push the pocket, but don't push too hard. And like, it was just, I felt like it was helping them. So that's kind of been my answer. I know that's not exactly a four, three, two high answer, but I, that if I'm facing a guy like that, I don't want to be in that for a couple of reasons. One, if you're in two high safeties quarters, and I don't know if you're man match or zone match, but if you're a man match team, everybody's back's going to be turned. If you're playing like a double bracket concept and they run everybody off, you got nobody looking at the ball except for one backer who has the back. What happens if they release the back? 
In fact, a couple of years ago, we played Cajon in a state championship and we switched from four down to three down. I wrote an article about it over the summer. And the number one reason we did it was because their number one run play was quarterback scramble. The kid's so good. I think he's starting at Arizona State as a freshman, true freshman. And I'm like, if they release the back all the time, we got nobody over the ball. And so we got out of it. So I know that doesn't exactly answer your question exactly, but those are some things to think about. Don't bang your head against the wall. Get, take one of those linemen out and get another guy. Even put a corner in there that can spy the quarterback and run around and play a little street ball. Anyway, Coach, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I mean, you just said everything that I was going to say. I mean, in the 3-4 world, it's not really that big of an issue for us because we did exactly what you said. We took out one of our inside backers and, you know, put a DB or a corner in there and said, look, um, you know, when that kid takes off, you're responsible for him. You know, to, you can put your end in tackle in fives, you know, put him in wide fives or, or tight fives, doesn't matter. Force the issue upfield, have your nose guard either A, two gap, or B, just pick a gap, and then leave that guy in there to spy him. I mean, then you can run all your co- your coverage stuff. I mean, that's one of the advantages of being in an eight-man front is that you do have an extra guy. And you can either A, blitz him, or B, use him as a spy. So I think everything you said is spot on. I mean, we, we've done the exact same thing. Uh, in terms of attacking sprint out, you know, for us, I think the best thing for us to do is we know you're going to come that way. You're going to sprint that way. We're going to try and send two guys off the edge. You know, we've got a couple different blitz schemes that we like to run where we'll send two guys off the edge. And now that running back's got to make a decision. Who's he going to block? He's got to block one of the two. And, you know, we're going to, we're basically, you know, we're going to play like the, you know, wild dogs of the Serengeti. You know, you take one, well, the other guy's going to pick up your quarterback and vice versa. So that's how we would handle sprint out. And that's how we would handle a mobile quarterback. But I couldn't agree with you more, man. I mean, if you're in four down, you're kind of playing right into that mobile quarterback's hands. I mean, that gives them clear passing lanes and, and everything else. So putting a spy on him, Awesome. We do the same thing. Good stuff, man. I like it when the guest agrees with me. Oops. <laughs> um, all right. We got a couple questions left. Um, yeah. And, and, and going back to that, man, it's just, I, I, I'm a, I was a four, four. Now, like I said, I made my stupid joke about that song, but we literally never got out of four down unless when we went through, when I went through my fire zone phase, I wanted to go to three down, but I I was four down to the point where like it was it was it was hazardous. And finally I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna keep doing this and it's going to hurt me. And there's some four down things like and this is I'm I'm being I'm reducing this down to nothing right now, but you know, if you're gonna be if you're gonna run zone read, I love th- and I know you might coach, I know you might disagree with me. You've been a three down guy, you said since nineteen ninety seven. But if if I had my choice and I was seeing a zone read team, I'd love to play the Iowa State tight front or dime version of the tight front with the four eyes. But we played gap scheme teams the first two weeks. They ran like long trap, kick, I call it kick, fold, dart, stuff like that. I still love four down versus that stuff, especially if they're pulling the guards. You're not going to get RPOs unless it's just pre-snap gift RPOs. Or they're not right. well, and that's not. I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm talking more like the read scheme where you're reading and end and pulling. You still get the RPOs, the downfield RPOs. My apologies. I'm thinking like pull it, run and throw it. But I just think getting a three technique and a five technique away from the back, and then putting that end to the back. I think there's some things to it. But there's some times where I'm sitting here and I'm trying to make this work, and I'm like, why? You know, why am I banging my head against the wall? So anyway, moving on. Jeff Basich. 
Probably said that wrong. Defensive coordinator from Lapine High School in Lapine, Oregon. I think I think Coach asked a question last week. His uh, his question is, what is communicated between you and your defensive staff during game time over the headset? I'll let you take that one first, Coach. Especially the head coach. This should be interesting. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think you said it earlier in the, in the podcast that I don't like a lot of chatter. And uh, fortunately, you know, several of us have been working together for a few years that, um, you know, I, there's not a lot. You know, I've read so many different articles and I've heard so many different staffs who have done different things. And, hey, this guy's saying this and this guy's doing that and whatever. And, you know, we tried it a couple of times and I just found that it just clogs my brain. You know, I'm kind of the same way that, uh, that you described that it's just uh, it becomes uh, you know, sensory overload. So quite honestly, you know, once the play is over, I'll, I'll ask a question. You know, hey, what was that or who did this or who did that? And, you know, one of the coaches will respond appropriately. And then from there, I will, uh, you know, just keep going. It's, I mean, it's not the greatest answer, but quite honestly, I just don't like all the chatter. And I think, you know, the benefit is that we've worked together for so long that we all know, you know, and we've done our homework ahead of time. You know, there's really not a ton of surprises, you know, unless the team just, you know, showed something for three weeks and then came out and completely scrapped their offense and did something different. Right. Okay. Then there might be a little, there might be a little bit more chatter from that perspective, but uh, in terms of, you know, during the game, if we've done our homework right and this team is, you know, worth their salt, they're going to pretty much stick to what they do, at least what they showed on tape. And uh, there's just not a lot of chatter. We just, we just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how else to answer that. I mean, that's just how we do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a headset Nazi with, with certain things. And, and it's kind of tough this year because we have the special team split up between two of our coaches, between our, defensive line coach, one of our defensive line coaches rather, and our linebackers coach and our linebackers coach is upstairs. And so last year, I think uh, it was two offensive guys. What well, was a defensive guy and an offensive guy, but the guy up top would call down to the offense. And that kind of kept things a little separate, but this, this year, a lot of that chatter goes on over one side and it drives me, it drives me mental. So I have to take my headset off and, you know, that's just something I got to I got to work on as a coach um, and as a human being. You know, I just I, I it's something I've got to get more comfortable with. And and I just have to learn how to block it out. I just I have a really hard time with it. So I have instructed my guys and I, I feel bad just saying this out loud. Like, unless I ask you something specific, just don't say anything because I just can't handle it. There's so much going on in the way that we call defense. We have a front call and a back end call, and I'm trying to put it all together and trying to see a million things. And we don't really have like I know this is sound crazy. We don't really. I mean, we have calls that we make more than others. But we don't have like a you know base check. So, um, I, I'm really having to think every play, and so I I'm like guys, please, and I try to be polite about it. But we the one thing that will make me go crazy is when the commentating happens. That's when I lose my mind. Um, when the that's holding or, or, oh my God, he's going to score. And I'm like, shut up. Like I lose my mind and, and it's not great. I'm not proud of it, but that, that will set me over the edge. But uh, in yeah. terms of what I'm really guys, asking, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, do you guys have split headsets? Like we do offensive set. Yeah, we do too. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty helpful. And, and uh, you know, if it ever became a really big issue because I got the head the head coach headset, I can always flip over and you know listen to right. what's going on on offense. 
you know, obviously not during defense, but well, I wanted, I've just been pretty blessed. I wanted to do this, the both sides so I could switch over and talk to the head coach. And I'm, I backed off of that just because I don't, I'll ask my favorite, like I said earlier, my favorite question is what happened, <laughs> which is could be that that could be a long answer, but you know, I'll usually ask what run was that. Now, if there's a certain team, I don't get too far down this rabbit hole. If I'm seeing a team with a million formations, I'll ask what they're running. But you know, if our first two games have been, well, it was a 10 personnel team and then a team was supposed to be in 10 and they came out 21, but we won pretty comfortably. So I wasn't asking for many stats, but if you see like a wing T option team or something, I'm going to want to know. I want an updated hit chart basically every series. So where are they running the ball? I can kind of see where they're passing the ball, but what shades are they running at? You know, do you see any noticeable tendencies down a distance? That sort of thing. Right. Right. So my next question is from Zach. And also, by the way, going back to coach Basich, um, his Twitter handles at J B A I S C H. It was pretty cool this this last week. And he's from Lapine, Oregon. It was pretty cool this week because I started to see some of the coaches starting to mix it up. Not mix it up. That sounds bad. No, they, they were no, nothing bad at all, but like talking on Twitter and continuing the conversation, which is really what I really wanted to do. I basically wanted to create an audio form of Coach Huey on Twitter during the season. And so we started to see a little bit of that. And that was really cool. And I think coach was on there um, talking a little bit. So our next question comes from Zach Shoemaker, the defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Waynesboro area senior high school in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. So he says, coach, I liked your answer um, previously about practice progressions and personnel packages. We play a wing T school that sits in mostly 31 personnel, but they'll get into other formations like 11 personnel style formations and 10 personnel style formations, but have 31 personnel on the field. The question is, do you break your practice down into alternative categories that week? If they're all running the same thing, do you work by formation? We're a small five, a school. We have a lot of two way guys. So we only get one defensive practice day. God bless you. That's fully devoted to defense and form recognition on Monday. He's trying to maximize his practice day and the rest of the season. And because he's going to see a lot of this style things. He says he loves the podcast and keep up the great work, which I appreciate. As an aside, guys, um, your enthusiasm about this project really fuels me. Today has been not a great day. I was exhausted, and a couple guys just said some very nice things on Twitter, and it makes me want to keep doing this. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm not, I just want to say, I appreciate you guys telling me what this means to you, telling, telling how, telling us how much you like the project and the guests that I bring on it. It really, it really fuels me. I mean, I was really dragging and I saw that. I saw a couple tweets from uh, Cameron Soren. I believe it was uh, Joe Tabay who asked a question earlier and I was like fired up. I was ready to go. I'm like, you know what? This is what's this is what's worth it. This gets me going. So thank you. So I appreciate the kind words. I see it. And I appreciate it. Um, to answer your question, yes, that's what we did when we played the team that we got in a wing T personnel groups and then got in a spread formations. We split it up by I call formation shells. So you know, 31 looks, 10 looks, 11 looks. And then I just started audibling from the sideline like it was PlayStation. I even, in fact, joked with the kids like I was going to make you learn the buttons would be the audibles. So if I said audible and then I said triangle, you had to know it. 
what audible that was obviously I didn't do that that's completely insane but um that that was kind of the thing if and it was by down a distance because again i'm not saying everybody's the same but if you're seeing a wing t team that's jumping into 10 they're probably not doing it on first and 10 and if they do then i could be wrong but that's where you got to call the defense what i would do is i would have my calls what I'm expecting them to be in, and then I'd have one-word checks. My one-word 10-personnel base check, I'd have a one-word 11-personnel base check, and I would call the game like they were going to be in 31 personnel. Down a distance, we kind of talked about this earlier, if everybody's in the same personnel group, now tendencies really matter in terms of down a distance field position. You know, on first and 10 inside the 20, this wing T team is probably going to stay in their 31 look. So call the defense to what you think you're going to do and then have some one word checks to get you out of it just to get you lined up and then vice versa. Third and eight, call your half slide beater or whatever we were talking about earlier, the pressures that coach was talking about. Uh, and then, hey, they come out in a wing T formation. Boom, here's our base wing T check. That's how I would do it. And I would actually practice that too. So during my 31 personnel period, I'm doing air quotes. I would sneak in a 10 formation and practice those checks. So if you're going to do it, practice it. Yeah. Coach, let me know what you think about that. Ah, uh, man, there's just so many layers and depth to that question. Um, yeah, I guess the uh, you know I guess the the first thing is you know to have a better understanding of where I'm going to go with this is number one. Uh, in our opinion, if you don't have at least three games to break down to to try and figure out some down and distance tendencies, I think you're kind of spinning your tires in the mud. You know, I mean, and I, I'd like to think that we all get at least three games, if not more. But even with that, um, you know, the biggest thing that I'm looking for when it comes to down and distance tendencies is where's the cut? You know, where's the cutoff? When is it on third down that they're 100% going to throw the ball? You know, is it third and six? Is it third and eight? You know, what is it? Because that will dictate, you know, how much we're going to either A, drop eight, or B, you know, send the kitchen sink after them. So that's, that's the first thing as it pertains to down and distance. You know, over the years, I mean, I've vacillated back and forth between trying to identify down and distance tendencies to field position tendencies. And, you know, for me, and I'm only speaking for me, I just haven't gained a lot of traction in really, you know, looking at the analytics and really identifying, okay, you know, they're going to do this. I mean, the captain obvious one is, okay, when it's second and 20 or third and 16, they're probably going to run a screen or they're going to run a draw. Okay. Other than those obvious ones, we just, I haven't really found too many down distance field position tendencies Maybe that's just because we're, we're not looking at it from the, that perspective or we're just right. not doing a good enough job doing that. Uh, but going specifically to this question, if we're going to see a team that does something very unique and specific, uh, we, we are not above saying, okay, we're going to have an auto this week for this formation because this formation is clearly something that they want to do and they're going to run these whatever, two, three plays out of this formation. Um, and me running just anything that we could possibly run against it doesn't give me a level of comfort and security. So let's go ahead and build an auto for this formation. Let's build an auto for this formation so that I don't care what I call. If they come out in this formation, we know what plays they like to run out of it. We're going to run this auto defense and we'll practice that and we'll rep it. And I'll do the opposite of what you said where, okay, maybe they do some other things. We'll run we'll have them do the in scout, you know, we'll have the scout team run the other stuff and then we'll throw in that auto and make sure that our guys recognize, Hey, this is the auto, you know, and we usually give it the mascot, you know, other oh, the, they're the, they're the sea, the Seahawks, Seahawks. So all right, Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks. And that tells them, all right, get in the auto. 
Uh, you know, that's one of the things that we'll really do uh, in terms of identifying those types of things. Uh, when it comes to, you know, multiple formations and different, uh, you know, plays that they do, you know, at the end of the day, we really try to narrow it down. What are your five plays? What are your five run plays that you really want to do? And we're going to try and focus on taking those away. Uh, and then what are your five pass plays that you really want to do? Because now when you start getting in with huddle, my goodness, you start getting into four, five, six, seven, eight, man, by game 10, you've got nine games on them. It's paralysis by analysis. It's just too much information. And if you're going to try and defend everything, you ain't going to defend anything. So what we really try to do is um, it, it's the, it's the, what is it? The treasury department, the secret service agents, right? They don't train them how to identify a counterfeit by studying a million different counterfeits. They train them to know the, the hundred dollar bill, you know, so well that when they see a fake, they know right away because they just know their stuff so well. And that's, what, that's our philosophy is that we're going to really make sure that we know what we're doing so good that no matter what you do, we're going to be okay. Even if you didn't show it at all in nine games. Now, of course that, that, that assumes that you have already identified, okay, what is our empty check? What is our uh, 12 personnel check? What is our double tight, double wing check? You know, what is our, uh, you know, power eye check? You know, you've got to put some work into that ahead of time and make sure you practice it in spring and summer, but at least you put that in. And if nothing else, you as the coach have it in your playbook so that if you do see that in the game that they hadn't shown, at least you're ready. Okay. I know what our answers are. I know what we're going to do versus this. Because if you try to do, you know, what, what, what coach is asking, I just think, man, it's, it, be, it can become really overwhelming. And you just got to really focus in on what you do so that whatever they do, you're dialed in and you're okay. And again, I'm sorry if that's not really answering the question about, you know, that and, and as well as down in distance. But we've just kind of gotten away from that, man, because we just don't see that. We don't see, and, and, it, and it very well could be because I'm just not very good at it identifying what are down and distance field position tendencies. Yes, there are some teams that it's very obvious that they've got those and, you know, we can pick those up, but that doesn't happen very often. A lot of the teams that we're playing are fairly sophisticated and they're, they're mixing things up and they're breaking tendencies. I know we do it as an offense. We run things and do things specifically setting it up so that when we hit certain opponents, we break those tendencies. And I, and I just assume maybe I'm a chasing ghost and doing this, but I assume other teams are going to do the same thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll try that approach. Or we've been doing that approach for years, and it seems to be working okay for us. Yeah, I've got away actually too much. I got away from the down and distance tendencies for a long time. And it actually, I think it hurt us uh, at some points. Um, the last couple of years, last two years, really. I mean, I look at it, but I used to write out, I used to write out the, the, the so like first and 10, second, one to six, I put those plays together. And I'd have the run pass tendencies as a whole, then by personnel. Then I'd have all the first play in a series in 10 overall, then by personnel. And then I realized I never looked at it. And I've always said the last 10 years after the year, I really want to do a study of, okay, this is what we had going into the game. How much were they staying the same? Or were they changing it up? But I just... I never do it because it's time. It would be time consuming. Now I will say this: there are some tendencies that I think are really important to look at. There's two in particular. First is look at seconds. We look at second seven to nine, and then second ten plus. Look at the overall down and distance, but look at what they just did on their previous play. Same thing on first and ten within a series. 
So we played, I mentioned him early. Well, I can say now he's retired, but I mentioned Earl Hanson from Palo Alto earlier. I don't like dropping names and naming people, but he's retired and whatever. But when we played him and we played him and beat him in 2008, and then he got it with us back with a vengeance in 2009. My God, it's the worst I've ever got my ass kicked. But we studied him and he was 50 50 on first and 10 within a series. But if you broke him down further, I think it was like if he if he ran the ball to get the first, he was 80 percent pass. If he passed the ball to get the first, he was 80 percent run. And then if it was weird, if it was like if he got if it was an explosive run, so he ran for 50 yards and got a first, he'd run it again. And if he threw a bomb, if he if it was off a huge play, he was going to run the ball no matter what. And then after a penalty, he'd like to take a shot. And so if you just looked at first and 10, you're like, oh, I don't really know what to do. But if you looked at the previous play, it was and it was I mean, the tendencies were north of 75 percent on everything. And so I think that's something to take a look at. I think second along, that's something to take a look at. I think your third mediums where you're getting 50 50s. If you're going to just kind of spot check it, look by field position. Look at third and three to five. If they're 50 50. okay, where's the breaking point? Find the breaking point because some teams have one. Where they won't run the right. ball after third and four, third and five. And I really try to find that more than like third and three to five is 50-50. Okay, well, what were they on third and three and what were they on third and five? You know what I mean? Like, I think if you if, when you start grouping it like that, you need to find kind of the breaking point. And then when will they do the opposite? So when will they on yeah, third right. down, when are they going to run the ball? When are they going to when are they going to throw on third and two? Like try to find those outliers. Like, okay, yes, on third and one, most teams are going to run the ball but what are these guys when are they not going to run the ball so anyway right no that's and i think that's a great point and we still do it but i don't know if it really unless something jumps out at us really really big it's not really going to dictate a whole lot of what we're doing but we'll still do it and again i won't start doing it until i get at least three games on somebody because i just feel like you know, two games, it's just, it's, it's tough, especially at the beginning of the year, but later in the year, and especially in playoffs, I think you can find stuff like that. And uh, if it does jump out at us, then yeah, it's like, okay, Hey, it's obvious guys that, Hey, on second and this, they're doing this, you know, yeah. if it's third and whatever, you know, here's the cut and we'll do that. We'll use that data, but I don't know if it necessarily drives the play calls that we call. I, I don't know if it does. Yeah. I think it's more of, it's more of, I want our guys to be aware of it. All right, guys, here we go. It's second and, you know, nine plus. What do we know based on study that these guys like to do? Oh, well, they like to run this. Okay, great. So if we're running this blitz, we got to make sure we're solid on defending that. If we run this coverage, we got to make sure, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how we'll do it. You know, but in terms of driving our calls, eh, I I don't really marry it too much with it unless it's just a ridiculous tendency. Right. And that, and for me, it informs the calls that I'm putting in. I don't, I don't ever look and go, okay, guys. And I used to be like rain man with the stuff. Like I would have my, when I coached with Steven Lowe's, the OC John Bosco, uh, we were coaching together. We coached together for years. I would have him quiz me, you know, third, third right. three to six. And, and, and I knew it, but it would influence my play calling, but I would never look at it in the game. So I actually, I've been talking to a few guys about predictive, predictive text. And and if I put in a bunch of stuff, field position down and distance, and I, I'm interested in getting an OC's body work over a couple of years. If I can put the time in the game, the score in the game, all the factors, 
to have somebody in a booth inputting the information and say, hey, they're 65% likely to run zone here. But you would need a ton of information. It's something right, that I've been exactly. kind of obsessed with for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not, my brain doesn't work like that. So I need to find somebody who's just as insane as me with details, but also has right. the background in statistics because <laughs> that ain't me. That ain't me at yeah, all, bro. Exactly. Okay, so we got a first. So this was going to be our last question, but we actually had somebody pop in another one right after. So I'll go there. I know it's getting late, so we'll go fast on this. I'll take this one because he's asking 425 split field. Sure. So uh, this is Tim Otten. Great dude. His Twitter account is at Tim Otten, uh, at Tim O-T-T-O-N. Our last coach, Zach Shoemaker, his Twitter account was at Coach Shoe 7 I actually think that would be, I'd love to hear people jump in on that. In fact, Coach, when you listen to this, at, uh, tweet the show uh, at MDGA Podcast. I will retweet it because I want to hear how other people think because we might play a team that does something similar to this and I want to get some other ideas about literally paste the question that you typed to me into a tweet and I'll retweet it and we'll get a bunch of people responding in on it. Anyway, back to Coach Ott and his question is 425 split field team. How would you defend four strong into the boundary with a good running quarterback? Running quarterback power, quarterback sweep, and a dude at X with a wide split where they'll throw slant fade. So because I don't have all the information on this, and Tim, you got my number, or DM me, and if, if I don't answer this question, DM me, and I will answer it in full. But four strong to the boundary, I don't know if that's empty four, like four by one, or if you're talking trips with the back end of the boundary, or if you're talking uh, two receivers with a sniffer or a tight end and a back on the same side. So I don't really know exactly, and I don't know where the quarterback power and sweep is hitting. I'm going to guess they're going to run QB power and sweep into the boundary with the um, and then throw to the field. What I would do just from a generic standpoint is if they throw any kind of screens into the boundary, I would find some sort of coverage that I have good support with. And obviously I'm going to do cover three out of this, but I would want to press somebody into the boundary. I really like this. Any kind of two by one or three by one of the boundary. I want to try to get a press corner of the boundary with some help over the top to take away any quick screens. And then I want to get to some sort of concept where I'm doubling the X to the field, depending on his width. And the guy that's helping double him will also be an extra run fitter on the edge. So if you're thinking like Saban Stubby or whatever, where, you know, the corner's playing outside press, TCU calls it solid out. uh, And then the safety's running the alley where the corner's locked on that guy, or you can invert it. You could run like if the guy's got a real wide split, you trap the corner and then get the safety over the top, but some sort of where you've got a, an overhang uh, set to the field where he can also help on double the X on inside routes. And so double him where it's a point where, and you can even bail the corner and have the safety play underneath where the corner's man to man, but he has inside help from the guy that's also going to stop the run. But if he does get sucked in the corners, either playing hip to hip man or over the top. So that guy doesn't get sucked up and then the corner's playing low shoulder and they throw a glance route for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, if that doesn't answer your question, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Tim's also at Turnwater High School in, Turn, in uh, Turnwater, Washington. Last question, Mike, you got saved by the Google Drive or Google Sheet. Literally, uh, we're getting down to the end and it pops up. So Mike Martin's the defensive coordinator. I do not know how to say this. Stella, Stella, Stella Loom High School. 
and Stela Stela Coom Stela Um. You've spelled it differently in Washington. I apologize. All right, this is an interesting one. I hope when you guys are saying this week, you're talking about. So we're recording, and this is well known. We record on Thursday nights. The pod comes out Saturday morning. I hope to God that you mean when you're saying this week that you're talking about the team that you're playing a week from now, because you won't hear this, brother, by the time. But he says, playing a pass-heavy team this week, want to be able to install a, a cheap drop-eight cover. This is probably up more up your alley since you're three down. We primarily play cover zero, man-free, and three-match coverage. We do have a dime package that we play two-man out of with three-two spacing. What's the best way to add a drop-eight and stay consistent with what we already do? That's actually a really good question. This question I've had. Coach, you take this one first. This, this is probably more in your wheelhouse. Yeah, from a two-by-two two standpoint, so you know, all things being equal, we're in a dubs, dubs formation, two-by-two. Two. Uh, we're going to play our three down, and again, you determine the configuration. They can be in a tight front. They can be in wide fives, whatever. Uh, and we're going to play quarters on both sides. So your corner, your outside linebacker, nickel, Sam, whatever you want to call them, and your safety, those three have those two. Same thing on the other side, your other corner, your free safety and your rush or jack or whatever you want to call them. Those three are playing on those two. And now you got your two inside backers and you can either a have one of them lock up on the running back and uh, you can still push it. So if the running back releases to one side, so whether he's swinging or running a flat route, you can push that, that, that linebacker with the outside backer on his side or B you can just say, forget it. You're locking on in period. That way it doesn't uh, affect the integrity of the three over two that you have on that side. And then the other linebacker, you have a couple options, you know, depending on what you're going to see. If the quarterback's a mobile guy or a scramble type of guy, you can spy him. Uh, the other option is you can have him uh, drop into the deep middle and play like Tampa two. I mean, there, there's an option. You could you have both the Mike and Will if you're not overly concerned with the quarterback scrambling. You could have the Mike and Will as soon as the ball snaps. I mean, they're flying to the number twos. Uh, again, I, I don't know if I would feel that comfortable doing that, but you could do that, and then you can change up the leverage of the outside backers. You could put them outside leverage of number two, and you know you could mod your corners. I mean, there's a couple different options, but the first one that we would do would be three over two on both sides, and then one of those inside backers would have the uh, running back. The other one would have the quarterback. So that's one way that we would do it versus two by two, uh, three by one. It's the same concept. You're going to have, we'll, we'll do uh, solo. So we'll have the corner and the uh, strong safety and the free safety taking care of one, two, three. We'll have the Sam backer apexing um, two and three. We'll have the Mike backer apexing three in the tackle. We'll have the will in the box over the center, taking care of the running back. You'll have the uh, weak side outside backer, the single side receiver, linebacker, and corner taking care of that number one. Same thing applies. You can have the will either A, lock up on the running back if he releases strong and he can work a push with the mic, or B, if he releases weak, you can have him lock on him as well, which almost you don't really need to do because you do have the outside backer over there with the corner. But let's just say they've got a good single side receiver hitch slash uh, flat route by the running back to that single side, then, you know, you could take that outside back and say, look, you're getting underneath the curl of number one corners on top to protect the post out corner and the wheel linebacker, you're going to lock up on the running back. Again, this is all assuming that the quarterback's not, uh, you know, a guy that likes to take off and run. If you got a guy that likes to take off and run versus three by one, well then in our opinion, you got to lock, you got to put the wheel on him and spy him and just trust that your corner 
and your outside linebacker is going to take care of number one and uh, the running back releasing to the weak side. Excellent answer. Okay. So my quick thought on this is if you're a man free team, one coverage that I've wanted to put in every year, it's one of those deals that, you know, you, you, I thought about putting in, but I just never had the opportunity or it never really arose is called, um, I think saving calls it one double robber. And so it's man free, but the two, I think one of the backers has the back. So say you're in a three, two spacing. So I think, and forgive me on this. So imagine you're in two man. Okay. Imagine you're in two man. Uh, so you've got your two backers on the back. You've got four, four DBs or whatever on the four receivers and then two deep safeties. So imagine in, instead of having two guys on the back, one of them is on the back and the other one is a low hole dropper. And then imagine one of the deep have safeties is the other low hole dropper with the other safety playing the middle of the field. So that's a quick and easy way to play a drop eight coverage, so to speak, getting eight guys in coverage out of a man free structure. Um, if you're playing three match, you could just add an underneath dropper. And so, right. Yeah. You play, yep. you have a hook defense. So you have, you keep your, I mean, if you want to, if you're talking about keeping it simple, you say, all right, curl flat defenders, widen out a little bit, play more flat, a yep. little bit of curl. Tell your hook curl defenders, okay, you're going to play close to the curl and then just stick a guy in the middle. I mean, that, yeah. that if you want to talk about cheap and easy, I mean, there's a ton of answers. You can get in the Iowa State stuff. You, you know, you, you didn't say any too I high coverages. I was thinking that. I was you, just you, thinking the Iowa State stuff. Yep, absolutely. You know, but all this stuff you're asking one high. So those are my two things that are coming to my brain off the top of my head that, I mean, you could install in 30 seconds. <laughs> um. Now you say cover zero. This is kind of a spinoff of that, but if you wanted to, I'm just thinking of, you know, getting crazy. If you wanted to take out one of your backers and play an Iowa State style deal, this is okay. And this may not even work. I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. So this is terrible. I'm going to, and I get any bad tweets about it. I'm going to uh, cut it out of the podcast and re upload it and pretend this never happened. But I'm just riffing here. Take out one of your backers, bring in an extra DB. Okay. Now, if you play cover zero, we'll say it's two by two, three by one, you can do it. Just bring the guy over. So let's say it's two by two. You bracket their best guy to one side, you bracket their best guy to the other, and then you stick the remaining DB in the middle of the field. So you have middle yeah. of the field open coverage where you have brackets on their two best guys, one to one side, one to the other, and you have a guy standing in the middle of the field. I mean, if you're talking about quick fixes, and you just want a cheap, easy drop eight coverage, there you go. That's the best yeah, I got for good. you. Um, yeah, or what Coach said in three by one, I'm guessing, you know, if they're a three by one team, the backside guy is going to be the best. Play box one defense. Man up the backside, keep your, the rest of your coverage, kind of what you were talking about. Um, yep, yep. So that's just off the top of my head. I mean, I, I'm thinking if I, if I could think of it off the top of my head, it should be pretty cheap and easy. Those are some good answers. Uh, if you want to talk about the discussion, Mike's Twitter, and he's active on Twitter. I love that guy. His uh, Twitter handle is at MSMartin0208. So, Coach, we've said it all. Uh, thank you so much. I'm sorry to keep you so late for so long. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you uh, getting to know you over this offseason and 
I know we talked a long time ago about coming on the pod and I, I promised you I'd have you on and I'm glad I got to fulfill that, that promise. You've been such a great supporter and such a good friend. And and it's been nice to get to know you over these last five, six, seven months. And uh, I appreciate getting to share some knowledge with you. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting those uh, blitzes in my mailbox by tomorrow morning. Okay. (laughs) You got it, man. Well, listen, I I just want to say thank you again for the opportunity. I mean, I, I love the podcast, love the tweets, love all the stuff that you've done in the other mediums. And, uh, you know, continue to keep up the great work. And if anybody out there wants to hit me up on Twitter, it's Jason Bourne one. Uh, again, it's Jason J S O N B O R N N two N's in there. No U no E uh, in the number one. And, uh, you know, I'll answer any questions that anybody's got. And I'm at coach Vass at C O A C H V is in Victor A S S. This has been episode three of the make defense great again podcast. I appreciate your time coach. Thank you. You got it, Chris. Take care. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Make Defense Great Again, our Q&A series. My name is Chris Vasser. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy week to listen to us and engage with us and ask questions. Speaking of which, if you want to ask questions, please go to www.coachvast.com slash podcast and you'll see a form link where you can submit your questions. Again, we record on Thursday nights and we post it on Saturday morning so you can listen during your game planning time during the weekend. I appreciate all of the questions and engagement so far and I hope to keep it strong throughout the year. Also, why I got you here, check out my website, that I mentioned earlier, www.coachfast.com. There's a link where you can sign up for the mailing list when announcements happen, like the double wing video I'm producing. Special podcasts will run throughout the year and other exciting information that's on the horizon. And lastly, never forget, the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.